All right. That feels a bit better. And um, I'm excited about this morning um, because we're going to anoint everybody at the end of this. And also at the end of the service, we'll have the, uh, you might have seen the kind of new offices that are going in over there. We're going to have them all open. You can go and have a look. There's a whole lot of activity that's been happening on the church property and, and it's awesome. But um, this morning, I, I want to talk to you about a spiritual rhythm that I think we really struggle with. More than, like, I don't know about you, but I've always thought that prayer was one of the spiritual rhythms that I struggled with the most. You don't have to put your hand up. I'll I'll, I'll take that one on my own. You can pretend that yours is really good. Um, But I always thought that that was until I started studying this one. And I think this is one, is probably the one that I am really bad at. I think that we live in a world right now that has a worldwide epidemic going on, and it's a worldwide epidemic of hurry and busy and pressure and stress, people working ridiculously long hours and all this pressure. It's an epidemic worldwide. In fact, I I read a a, a story um, out of Japan about a man called Mr. Asako, who had worked for several years for a major Japanese uh, snack food company. And for all the years that he had worked for them, he was doing 110 hours a week. Week week on week, month on month, year after year. That's 16 hours a day that he was working seven days a week for years and years and years. They found Mr. Asako dead at his workstation, the victim of a heart attack and he was 34 years of age. In fact, in places like China and Korea and Japan, they've actually had to create a word for this because they've had so many people dying in the workplace at their workstations that they've actually had to create words. In Japan, it's called hirishi. And it literally means this. They never had this word before in their language. They had to create this word because they had a in like a pandemic, really, of people just dying from overwork, and they had to create this word, which literally means in Japanese, it literally describes the act of literally working yourself to death. How crazy is that? That we now live in a world where they've actually had to come up with a word medically to describe people working themselves to death. It's a mad, mad world we live in. And in these three countries of Japan, uh, South Korea, and China, they are increasingly finding that it's a common phenomenon for people to drop dead on their job because they're working insane hours under intense pressure with little or no rest. Does that sound like your life a little bit? I think that we have become perhaps the most emotionally exhausted, psychologically overworked, and spiritually malnourished people in all of history. That's depressing. So does God have a plan? Yes, he does have a plan, and it's called the Sabbath. One day a week where you take a break. And if I can say this, take a break, have a Kit Kat. Have we got? Yep. 
It's, it's happening. I want you to have a break this morning and have a Kit Kat because it's going to help you. And Kit Kats are coming. The Kit Kats are coming. How many people want a Kit Kat this morning? The Kit Kats are coming. We all need a break because we need a Kit Kat, right? Don't get distracted by them handing out the Kit Kat because I'm going to keep going. If that's all right with you, you're like, man, oh, church, this is the best service we've ever had. Yeah. Kit Kats. I'm not going to get anywhere until you got your Kit Kats, am I? Just pass them around really quickly, guys. Just let them hand it down the rows. They can pass the basket down. Now all I'm going to hear is rappers going off left, right. See, this was a really bad idea, wasn't it? It is a great idea, but it's a bad idea because most people don't know how to have delayed gratification, so they're going to open theirs and eat them straight away. Aren't they medicine and utaku? And anaman. Unbelievable. But I think that you would agree with me that we are living in a time where it's ridiculous, the pressure that's on people, yes? You know, I've said this over the past few weeks, because I'm trying to get it really, really clear to you, that this is not okay. Living a life of hurry and busy, where you are just overwhelmed with everything that is going on, is not okay. That is not what Jesus talked about when he said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Come to me, all who are weary, and I will give you rest. I think we live in the most restless time that we've ever lived in, and it's not okay. It's not how God designed it to be. I, I think there needs to be, you know, we, we look at the Sabbath and we we'll look at some, some things, but I think the Sabbath is really important because the Sabbath is like rebellion against the system of trying to make us work ridiculously long hours. It's resistance. It's spiritual warfare to have a day off. Okay, some of you don't want to have a day off. I think it's resistance. I think it's spiritual warfare. It's actually in the Ten Commandments. Did you know that? But before the Ten Commandments came along, it was already a thing. In Exodus chapter 16, this is God talking to the people of Israel. It says, each morning, everyone gather as much as they need. This is talking about the manna that he supplied to them in the, in the desert every single day, the food that he supplied them. And when it grew hot, it melted away. So the manna would only last for a day. If you, if you tried to hoard it for longer than a day, it would get infested with maggots. And, and if you didn't get out there fast enough and pick it up, it would melt away. On the sixth day, though, they gathered twice as much Two omers, so two omers was about 2.8 to 3 kgs per person. And the leaders of the community came and reported this to Moses. I don't know about you, I'd love it if God did this again. The idea of just getting up every morning and breakfast, lunch and dinner are sorted. But not only that, how much money would that save us? Based on today's costs. It goes on and it says in verse 23, it says, And he said to them, This is what the Lord commanded. Tomorrow is to be a day of Sabbath rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. So bake what you want to bake, boil what you want to boil, save whatever is left and keep it until morning. So they saved it until morning as Moses commanded, and it did not stink or get maggots in it. Praise God. Eat it today, Moses said, because today is the Sabbath to the Lord, and you will not find any of it on the ground 
today. In other words, it's, it, if you don't collect it today, there's none tomorrow because tomorrow is the Sabbath. Six days you are to gather it, but on the seventh day, the Sabbath, there will not be any for you to gather. So what he's really saying to them here is don't work. You don't work on that day. It's a day of rest. The Sabbath is a day of rest. The manna will not go off as it normally does by the end of the day because you're, you're collecting enough so that the Sabbath is a day of rest. All right, we got that? That's what God's saying. Verse 27 of Exodus 16. Nevertheless, some of the people went out on the seventh day to gather it, but they found none. It's, aren't we dumb sometimes? God says, hey, do this. And we're like, hmm, I think I'll still go out. Then the Lord said to Moses, how long will you refuse to keep my commands and my instructions? Stay where they are on the seventh day. No one is to go out. So the people rested on the seventh day. Why did God make this a rule? Is it because he's trying to be a joy kill to us? Is it because he just wants us to sit inside the house on the couch and just go for a whole entire day, bored out of our brains? Is God actually just a joy killer? No, the Sabbath is exactly the opposite. He actually wants us to enjoy our life on this earth. And so the Sabbath is an important part of you getting a good spiritual rhythm to your life, along with prayer and along with fasting and along with reading your word. The Sabbath is a really important spiritual rhythm for you to have. I'm going to break some of your religious thinking around the Sabbath shortly, but let's just get into the fact that the Sabbath is actually a command God made. If we move forward into Exodus 20, where the Ten Commandments are giving, he says this, Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that was in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, listen to this, therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. It's really interesting, this piece here, because God did things like this is holy ground, yeah, or he blessed a person, yes, but in this case, he blessed a day and made the day holy, a time holy, a 24-hour period blessed and holy, set apart. It's actually in the top four commandments, and it is the longest, most detailed commandment out of all the other commandments. The first three, do you know what the first three are? What's the first three? Can someone tell me? Oh, yes, is awesome. Love the Lord. Have no other gods before him. Right, so, it, so the first three are really all about putting God in the right place. The first thing that he decides prior to, you know, murder or stealing or those other things is he shoves in the Sabbath. After he, after he talks about how we're meant to treat God, the next most important command he gives is the Sabbath. I don't know about you, but I think about this. What is wrong with us as human beings that God actually has to command us to have a day off? 
Like out of all the commandments, that would be the one. Yeah, got that down pat. A day off, no problem. The murder one, have you seen my family? Um, you know, like, like that should be the one, yes? That we're all like, oh, thank you, Jesus. Even non-Christians will go, amen, I, I believe in that commandment. Let's have a day off. You would think out of all the commandments, that would be the easiest, but I'm telling you it's the hardest. And isn't it a sad state that mankind, that God knew us and knew what we would be like, that he had to turn around and go, I've actually got to command these guys to have a day off. Something's wrong with us, isn't it? Holy means to be set apart. Six days you will labour. You can do your emails, you can make your phone calls, you can earn your income. But the seventh day is the Sabbath, and in it you shall do no work. This is a commandment. It's not a suggestion. It's higher up the list than do not murder and do not commit adultery. On it, he says, you shall do no work and, and, and he gets right into the point where he says, even your animals can't do any work. I mean, this is how intense he's getting about it, right? Nor foreigners within the town. So here's the thing about the Sabbath. It actually doesn't, it wasn't just for the Jewish people. It was for all people. Because God knew that we all need a day of rest. The Lord blessed it and set it apart. God did this, and then he put it as one of his top commandments. And the amazing thing is, for you and for I, and this is why I said this is probably the hardest spiritual rhythm, is that we don't really think about the Sabbath as a commandment. Seriously. Now, let me correct some religious ideology. The Sabbath is not a Sunday. It's not even a Saturday. It's one day in seven that you take and you rest. In fact, in the early church, the Saturday was the Sabbath where they would rest and they would eat and they'd feast and they'd have fun together. Sunday was the day of worship for the early church. We have made Sunday, we've kind of got, the modern church has kind of got a little bit religious about it and we go, Sunday's the Sabbath day. It's, it's not actually. Sabbath can be any day of the week that you choose, that you make it as a day of rest, that leads to you being refreshed, renewed, and in awe of your Creator. Are you with me? You see, murder and adultery are high on the naughty list, right? We got that. We understand that that's not cool. Obviously, I'm the only one. But most of us probably have given no thought to the commandment about the Sabbath. I'll be honest with you. My Sabbath, I still check emails. I still take phone calls. I still do work. This has been really convicting for me this week. You see, we don't keep the commands to be saved. We keep the commands to be blessed. See, people think the commandment is all about salvation. It's not. It's about us being blessed. God understands that if we don't murder, our life is good. That if we do murder, that there's consequences and our life doesn't go so well. 
God understands that if we don't commit adultery, we are blessed because we have great marriages. But if we do commit adultery, there's consequences and it doesn't go so well for you. So he's saying here that if you keep the Sabbath, you're blessed. But if you don't take the Sabbath, there's consequences for you. There are consequences when you kill somebody or when you lie or steal. But we don't think that there are consequences to keeping the Sabbath. We think it's actually okay. Fridays for me are my day off. And let's just say I get a phone call from Pastor Rimmer on a Friday, my day off. And Rimmer goes, hey, look, I know, it's, I know it's your day off and all, but I'm just wondering if you could just send this email and do that thing for, for, for the church. Could, could you do that? Now, most of the time, I'm going to say, yeah, no problem. Now, if Rimmer rang me up and he said, hey, Craig, what, what are you doing today? I know Friday's your day off, but what are you doing today? I said, oh, Nothing. And he goes, hey, um, I was just wondering, you want to come and help me murder someone today? My response would be, oh, you're doubting me. My response would be no. <laughs> or if Rimmer rings up and goes, hey, mate, mate, hey, mate, I was just thinking, it's a day off today. How about we go rob the BNZ today? That'll be good. I'll be like, no. Or Rimmer rings up and says, hey, hey, um, Friday's your day off. How about we commit adultery today? No. I'm not, I'm not going to say no to all those things. You're going to say no to all those things. But how many of you answer your phone on your day off? Answer a work email on your day off. If he's ringing me up and asking me to do work on a Friday and related to my job, he's asking me to break a commandment just like he'd be asking me to help him murder someone who's breaking a commandment. Why do we take it so lightly? I'm not saying this to condemn you, okay? I'm saying this because I want to try and help you. And anybody that says stuff that condemns you, like, you're a filthy rotten sinner, you're going to hell, just punch them in the face. That is not helpful. Bible says this, there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Yes, I understand we need to tell people that they are sinners and they need a saviour. But Jesus never condemned people in their sin. He always freed them from their sin. It's a different approach. People don't need to be told how bad they are. They need to be told how good God is. All right? Anyway, don't know why I said that. That's good. All the other commandments, you and I would have no problem not breaking. Yeah? I, I, you know what? I have no urge in me to murder anybody. I'm pretty, pretty sure I can keep that one. I'm not really into stealing because I don't want to go to jail. And I'm, and I'm not into committing adultery because, one, I love my wife, and she's awesome, and I love my kids, and I don't want my life to be destroyed. So those ones are pretty easy for me to keep, but the Sabbath one is one that I struggle with, if I'm honest with you. But it's a command. And I think that we need to realize that when we violate the command of the Sabbath that there are consequences. We can't think that there are no consequences and I'm not saying this to condemn anybody, but I'm just saying if we're really honest with ourselves, most of us are worn out, we're weary, we're under pressure, we're under stress. And, and if we're really honest with ourselves, we don't take days off. We don't take a day of rest. And what, what God is trying to say is, hey, I created the working week. So I created it because this is how best it works. 
You can work six of those days, but the, the one day you need to rest. And how many people know that the Creator knows best? First thing we have to understand is that it's a command. The second thing we have to understand is that it's a witness. Exodus 31 says this, Observe the Sabbath because it is holy to you. Anyone who desecrates it is to be put to death. How many people are glad we live in the, in the new covenant, not the old one? Those who do any work on the day must be cut off from their people. For six days work is to be done, but the seventh day is a day of Sabbath rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath day is to be put to death. It's extreme, right? In the Old Testament, if you didn't have your day off, you were put to death. In the New Testament, what God is saying to us is that if you don't take a day off and you overwork yourself, you will die. Not because we're going to take you out the back and stone you to death, but your health will suffer. Your marriage will suffer. Your relationship with your kids will suffer. Your relationship with your God will suffer. It's a death sentence, because if you won't rest, then rest will involuntarily come to you. Some of you are killing yourselves really slowly because you're working yourself to death. And if you violate this commandment, it will kill you in some way. Maybe not physically, but it could kill your marriage. That is why what God is trying to tell us, that this is not healthy for us. We need to rebel against the system, yes? I worked for a boss who was an absolute plonker. You know, I got paid for 40 hours a week, but if you didn't start work half an hour before the start time and finish half an hour after the start time, he, he would rip into you. He expected you to work an extra hour a day for nothing. If you're a boss like that, can you give yourself an uppercut? Because the Bible says that the labor is worthy of their hire. Pay them what they're due. It goes on in Exodus 31, and it says the Israelites were to observe the Sabbath, celebrating it for the generations to come as a lasting covenant. It will be a sign, a witness between me and the Israelites forever. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, and on the seventh day, he rested and refreshed. Sabbath means to cease from labor, to rest. Observe the Sabbath throughout the generations, it says, as a lasting covenant. It means it's meant to go from generation to generation to generation as a witness to those of our relationship with the Father. It was a major witness to people back in the time of the Jewish people because when someone would ring up a Jewish person on the Sabbath and say, hey, um, you know, could, you, could you flick us an email or could you do this or could you do that? They would say, I'm sorry, it's Saturday. We're closed on Saturday. It's the seventh day of the week. It's my, my Sabbath and um, we don't do any work on the Sabbath. And people would say to them, non-Christians, the Gentiles would say, what is the Sabbath? And all of a sudden it became an opportunity for them to witness about what the Lord had done. You see, the God of Israel, the God of the universe, the only God, even he had a Sabbath. 
Six days he created the heavens and the earth and all that was in it. And on the seventh day, he rested. I don't know about you, but I think if God needed to rest, I'm pretty sure we need to too. Unless we think we're better than him. Their witness was such that that spoke to the Gentile community or the Roman community that they believed that their God would bless them so much by taking this day off that they could make enough money to be profitable in six days when everybody else in the Roman Empire was working seven days. It was a witness that God would provide. And even the Lord needed a break. He needed to be refreshed. God, who never tires, was refreshed. The Hebrew Therefore, where it says that God rested is really, really interesting. And I think that it kind of sums this all up for us. The original language in the Hebrew, when it says that he rested, it means that God breathed in. It literally means that God took a breath. That God took a breath. God had been creating and creating and creating, and he did that by speaking Speaking causes you to exhale, and on the sixth day, he was breathing out once again as he breathed life into Adam. And on the seventh day, he said, hang on a sec, I just need to catch my breath, and was refreshed. He was refreshed and took a day off. If I hear anything from people quite often, it's if I could just catch my breath. If I could just have time out enough to catch my breath because I'm so crazy busy. It's literally what it means when the Lord rested on the seventh day after he created everything in six days. It said that the Lord caught his breath. I just need to catch a breath. You and I need to catch a breath. You can catch your breath if you keep the Sabbath. Well, Craig, um, what, do you, what do you do on your day off? If I'm honest with you, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not always very good at this, okay? So I'm, I'm, I'm telling you what to do, not necessarily a good example of it. I'm working on it though, okay? Is that all right? But don't, don't be a buffhead like me. Do what the Bible says and your life will be better, all right? Don't copy me, copy the word. You're a hard taskmasters today. I thought I would have got at least some sympathy there. <laughs> so we always say things like, and I have people say, ask me this, what do, you, what do you do on your day off? It's the wrong question. A better question is, what don't you do on your day off? And what I don't do on my day off is work. Well, I try not to. I try to do nothing that is regarding to my vocation or even my calling. Need to take a break. Have a Kit Kat. Have a rest. Matthew eleven twenty eight to 30 says this, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, 
for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. So what refreshes me on my Sabbath? Golf. I know for some of you, that doesn't refresh you at all. In fact, all that does is make you mad and mean. And I won't lie to you, sometimes I feel like that when I'm playing golf. But golf has this way of on the last hole, you hit this amazing shot and you go, oh man, that was amazing. It's all worthwhile. I'm coming back next week. All the shots in between or before that make you mad. No, Um, golf is my way. A walk along the beach I find so refreshing. Hearing the waves crash as you walk along the beach and just see the magnificence of God's creation. And can I suggest to you that anything that refreshes you, brings you an awe or worship of the Father is a great thing. Another thing that refreshes me is is time with my family, just going out for a meal and eating and laughing and having fun together. Anything that's fun is, is refreshing to me. I enjoy that. Don't, don't get caught up in the Sabbath this place where I just got to sit there and do nothing. No, no, no. You're still allowed to eat and you're still allowed to have fun and you're still allowed to go for a walk or go for a surf. Maybe surfing is what refreshes you. Then go for it. Maybe drinking a nice cup of tea and reading a book is refreshing for you, then go for it. Maybe going down to your local and sitting there and and having a beautiful, magnificent, large, flat white with an almond croissant. Maybe that's refreshing for you. Go for it. Come on, I feel the anointing all over that right there. And whatever it might be, go for it. Maybe gardening is refreshing to you. You don't view that as work. You actually enjoy it. You love it. If it's refreshing, for you've got to find out what works for you. Don't copy what I do because that works for me. You've got to work out what refreshes you. And remember, we are in the New Testament, and so we don't get caught up on it being Saturday. The Sabbath is any day you choose to take time to rest, sleep, breathe, Party and have fun. Are you with me? The second thing, the third thing is, is it's serious. God is deeply serious about the Sabbath. Numbers 15, 32 says, While the Israelites were in the wilderness, a man was found gathering wood on the Sabbath. Those who found him gathering wood brought him to Moses and Aaron and the whole assembly, and they kept him in custody. This man was dangerous. He had security guards around him because he was a stick gatherer. You think murderers are bad. Wait till you meet a stick gatherer. (laughs) I'm the only one that finds it funny, but it's okay. (laughs) Goes on in verse 35 and it says, And the Lord said to Moses, This man must die. The whole assembly must stone him outside the camp. So the assembly took him outside the camp and stoned him to death as the Lord had commanded. How crazy is that? Thank the Lord we're in the new covenant, yes? Otherwise I'm probably getting stoned to death every second week. (laughs) We're in the new covenant. But I'm sharing that story with you, not for you to go, what the, but for you to understand how seriously God takes the Sabbath. In 1 Corinthians 10, it says that everything that happened in the Old Testament is an example for us and is written as instruction so that you don't get stoned to death and become a stick gatherer on the Sabbath too. 
But if you keep working and not resting, you're going to kill yourself. You're going to die before your time and sooner than you should. I rang up a pastor friend of mine and I said to him, hey, what are you doing on Thursday? And he goes, nothing. And I said, cool, can we catch up? And he goes, no. And I'm like, but you're doing nothing. He goes, yes. So why can't we catch up? He goes, because it's my Sabbath. I'm doing nothing. Yeah, so let's catch up. No. (laughs) We can catch up on Wednesday next week and I'll explain to you why the Sabbath is important. And he told me that in the first 15, 20 years of his ministry, he never took a day off virtually. He ended up in hospital with a heart attack and all sorts of problems. And God spoke to him. He said to God, why am I suffering all this health problems? And and God spoke to him and said to him, it's because you don't keep the Sabbath. And so he repented and said, God, if I keep the Sabbath from now on in, will you extend my life? And God has. And he's now way old. (laughs) The Sabbath, taking a day off, it's a blessing. The Sabbath is a blessing. It's good for you. It's a blessing for you. Mark 2, 23 to 24 says this. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields, and as his disciples walked along, they began to pick up some heads of grain. And the Pharisees, that's the religious people. It's always religious people. Religious people should all be... No, I won't say that. The Pharisees said to him, Look... Why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? Because they, they saw that them picking grains as, grains of heads of grain is working. It's not working, it's eating. They, weren't, they were eating, they weren't working. They were eating. Working was not lawful, but they're still allowed to eat. They were hungry. Yes? Verse 25, it goes on, he answered them and he said, have you ever read that what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need in the days of Abiathar, the high priest? He entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread, <gasps> which is lawful only for the priest to eat. <gasps> and he also gave some to his companions and he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord, even of the Sabbath. Jesus is saying, I didn't make you to serve the Sabbath. I made the Sabbath to serve you. And when we get caught up in this whole religious thing about what we can and can't do on the Sabbath, that we are serving the Sabbath, and the Sabbath was made to serve us. It was made for us so that we could rest and we could be refreshed and we could stand in awe of our Creator and reconnect with Him and have a break from all the crazy busy stuff which distracts us and pulls us away from Him. The Sabbath was made for us to enjoy. The Sabbath was made for us to love and and do. And it's sad that God had to command it because there's something wrong with us that we just always want to work all the time. We're always just striving to get ahead because we need a bigger house and a better car and a better this and a better that. No, you need a day off because you can have all the nice stuff and you still won't be in connection with your Saviour. I have met, when I worked for BMW New Zealand, my job was to look after all the VIPs. So that means they were all multi, multi millionaires. That was my responsibility. Do you know how many of their marriages ended in divorce because they were making money? Something like 85%. Do you know how many of their kids committed suicide? About 30% of their kids committed suicide because their dad was never around. 
got all this nice stuff, but what does that mean? The Bible says this, that it's all wood, hail, and stubble. That one day when we face him, it'll be revealed by fire, and all the things that aren't important will be burned away and turned to ash, and it's just the precious stones that are left. What are precious stones? Your relationships with him, with one another, serving him, honoring him, having a Sabbath, This is not meant to be a religious thing. It's meant to be a life-giving and fun and easy. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. And you will find rest. It's a blessing. It's not a burden. It's like tithing. Most people know that 90% with the blessing of God will go further than 100% without the blessing of God. I want to encourage you, your six days will go better with the blessing of God than seven days without the blessing of God. People who rest one day a week know that they can get more done in six days with God's blessing than they can seven days without it. Here's the thing. Like anything in regards to all of the stuff that we do for God, in regards to all of the stuff that when it comes to spiritual rhythms, any aspect of the Christian life requires trust in God. And to do the Sabbath requires trust in God, that he will look after you, that he will provide for you, Often the real reason why you work so hard and so long is because you don't trust Jehovah Jireh, your provider. We often feel like if we don't do it, then it's not going to get done. But I'm telling you, you can trust God. You can learn this principle and get it into your psyche and rest. Here's a question for you as medicine comes up. What could you do for 24 hours that would fill your soul with deep joy? What could you do that would make you spontaneously combust with wonder, awe, gratitude, and praise for your Creator? And sometimes when I'm out on the golf course and I'm just looking at this beautifully manicured golf course and the view, and I just stand there at the tee and I just go, this is a beautiful day. This is a beautiful course. My game's not so beautiful. But your creation is. And it just brings joy to my life. Walking along the beach just brings joy to my life. Do I risk this? Making love to my wife brings joy to my life. Oh, you all, oh, it's only been six again in church. What else is the Sabbath for? Going out on Friday with my kids to the movies and out for lunch brings joy to my life. Brings joy to my life. What could you do in 24 hours? that would bring a deep joy to your life. Some of you, it might be, I don't know, maybe in Suskia's case, it might be getting her paintbrushes out and painting something amazing. I'm sure in Caroline's case, it's getting all her, her felts out and creating something that reminds her of the majesty of God. What is it that you could do? Maybe for Matthias, it's going and taking amazing photos of incredible 
stuff that God has created, the trees and the beach and all the amazing things. Maybe what brings joy to your life is knitting like Andrea and Leah. I don't know what it is, but what brings joy to your life? We must learn to rest, take delight in our world and take delight in our God. We need to be refreshed. We need to catch our breath. Because if you can't catch your breath, you will lose your breath. But to take a day off means you need to schedule it. You actually need to plan it. It won't spontaneously happen. You have to plan for it. You're used to making appointments for everything else in your life. I encourage you, make an appointment for the Sabbath. If you don't schedule it, it won't happen. I want to say this as as the last thing that I say this morning, and it's going to come up on the screen, and I want this to get etched into your mind and your spirits. Sabbath is not a legalistic hangover from some fundamentalist ruler, but a practice from the way of Jesus, and it is a delivery system for life. It's not some religious thing. It's not some fundamental thing. It's, a, it's God saying, if you have this day, it brings you life. It brings you life. I've come that you may have life and life more abundantly. And some of the way you get that life is Sabbath. Set aside a day, clear your schedule, turn off your phone. Pray, rest, worship, and whatever is a life giving way to your soul. Do all of that stuff. But here's the thing. Before you can practice the way of Jesus, you actually have to know Jesus. And you might know about Him, but you don't necessarily really know Him. You might not necessarily have a life-giving, living relationship with Jesus Christ. And if that's you this morning, I want to be able to pray for you. I want to pray that you would experience His power, His forgiveness, His grace, His mercy, His life-giving nature. The prayer that we're going to pray today is not some sort of magical prayer. It's not going to make everything in your world turn to rainbows and sparkles. Following Jesus doesn't make everything perfect. It just allows you to walk in a way that eventually life becomes great, even when the wind and the waves are blowing, even when the storms are raging, because we get to stand on our relationship with our Creator. But we can only do that when we ask Him to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all the stuff that we've done. He's not saying to you, hey, I need you to come to me so I can punish you. That's not how God works. God wants to forgive you. And in the process of you giving your life to Him, He will forgive you. And then He's going to start His work in you on the inside out. And He's going to help you become all that He created you to be. And sometimes it's going to be hard, but you can get through it because God is with you. I read about a a Romanian pastor, He's actually a pastor that my dad knew while he was a while he was a missionary in Romania, my mum and dad, when they retired and they went and went to be missionaries overseas at 67 years of age. It's just my parents, they're crazy. 
And this pastor, Romanian pastor, um, his story's in a book that I'm reading, but I found out through my mum that, that they actually knew him. And he would ask people if they wanted to give their lives to Jesus, and then they'd give their lives to Jesus, and then he'd say to them, now, I want to give you an opportunity to change your mind. Because following Jesus will cost you something. And if you're not prepared to pay the price, then I want to give you the opportunity to change your mind about what decision you just made. And I'm not saying that because I'm trying to scare you off from giving your life to Christ. I'm trying to tell you that because I don't want you to have this false understanding that that sometimes happens in the church, which come to Jesus and everything's going to be perfect. Following Jesus will cost you something. The Bible says this, that if we don't pick up our cross and deny ourselves and follow Him, we're not fit for the kingdom. There will be a cost to following Him, but it's worth it. It's worth it. It's worth it. I don't live a day of regret for the cost. It's worth it. It's worth it. And so while everybody closes their eyes just for this moment, I want to ask you if you want to give your life to Christ. Or maybe you need to recommit your life to Christ. You've walked away from Him. And I want to tell you today is your chance, your opportunity to come back to Him. So if you're here right now, I'm just going to ask you, in a moment, just to lift your hand. And when you lift your hand, I'll see it. I'll ask you to put it down. And then we're going to pray together. And then we're going to pray for everybody. So if you're here today and you're like, man, I want to give my life to Christ or I want to recommit my life to Christ. I want Him to come and cleanse me from all the stuff that I've got going on. And I realize that it might cost me something, but I realize that it's worth it because I'll have the Savior in my world. If that's you and you want to give your life to Christ or recommit your life to Christ, why don't you lift up your hand right now and when I see it, I ask you to put it down. Thank you, you can put it down. Thank you, you can put it down. Is anybody else here? Thank you, you can put it down. Thank you, you can put it down. Anyone else? Awesome. Why don't we stand to our feet? We're going to pray for these four people this morning. We're going to pray together that God would come and forgive them of their sin. But more than that, that He would invade their world with all that is Him. Yeah? Yes? Awesome. Why don't we pray together? Father, we thank you right now. If that was you, they put your hand up. You pray with us. Father, we pray that you would forgive us of our sin and that you would cleanse us from all the unrighteousness. We declare right now in this place, as these people pray together, we declare in this place that I am giving my life to Christ. I am following Him. He is forgiving me of my sin. He is cleansing me. I am now a born-again believer in Jesus Christ, and I'm going to follow Him with all of my life. So, Father, come right now and fill them with the fullness of God in every area of their lives. Remove all the stuff that has been hanging on to them and set them free today. In Jesus' name, amen. If you were one of those ones that put up your hand, I encourage you, there's a couple of things that you can do. One, we'd love you to fill out the Live Connected card in the seat pocket in front of you. And you just make a note on there that you gave your life to Christ this morning. And you can put that in the drop box out there. And someone from our team will get in contact with you this week and just see if there's anything that we can do to help you, to journey with you, to walk with you as you as you follow Jesus. Uh, the other thing I encourage you to do is to get a Bible. If you don't have a Bible, talk to us and we will give you a Bible. And, and the third thing I would suggest is join a really, really good church. I know one. 
But join a really, really good church so that you can be around other Christians that will help you grow and become all the things that God has created you to be.